Thank you for listening to the Streams Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are a community that strives to know Jesus and make Him known. If you like our podcast, subscribe and leave us a great rating on Apple Podcasts. Thank you, and we hope you enjoy. All right, so uh, it's been an interesting morning. We've had a lot of stuff going on. I feel like our worship has been very good and organic. We had great, uh, great testimonies, and I appreciate Kristen and Christina both being willing to come up here and talk to us and not only tell us kind of what's going on with you, but actually inspire the hearts of people that are in the room too. So uh, I just I pray for God's blessing on the two of you and all the women that were at the retreat. Um, so for me right now, I'm on spring break. Uh, <laughs> you kids, most of you should be on spring break. I don't know. Some of you may have to do it next week. But uh, spring break is exciting. Now, as an administrator, I'm still supposed to be working. And if my, if my principal's watching, I was working. Um, I was working from home all week. <clears throat> and so the fun thing about spring break, though, is I get all this extra time with my family and my kids. And one of the special things I like to do is watch movies. We watched both Infinity War and Endgame. I love the Marvel movies. Is there anybody in here that likes Marvel? Yeah. Is there anybody in here that's seen all of the movies? Yes, I know, it's really good stuff. I also like Star Wars. Star Wars holds a special place in my heart, so Disney Plus really has my attention with all the things they have going on. Um, where's the, the, do you have the handheld mic for a second? Yeah, I'm gonna do this Phil Donahue style for a moment. Now we learned, we learned just a moment ago from Susie, you cannot say, if you want this, stand up, because you're not gonna stand up. So instead, as teachers, we monitor and adjust. So if you have a favorite show, stay seated. Perfect, perfect, okay, so, I'm just kidding, I'm not gonna do that to just randomly run up to people. What I'd like to hear is things that, like favorite movies or TV shows from you, okay? So if you've got one, I'm gonna have you raise your hand. Do you guys, and I said Phil Donahue style, do you know who Phil Donahue is? How about this? Raise your hand if you know who Phil Donahue is. Oh, okay. At least half. That's good. Some of you might know Springer. It's not going to be like Springer in here, though. No, it's not going to be like that. All right. So raise your hand, though, if you have a favorite TV show or movie that you'd like to watch all the time. Ooh, my son. What do you, what do you like? Okay. <laughs> Chris. Ted Lasso. Ted Lasso. Any Lasso fans in here? Oh, how, oh you guys need to watch that show. It is one of my favorites. Yeah. Uh, obviously, The Chosen is my favorite show. Oh. <laughs> yes, yes. You get, you get an extra blessing from Lloyd for, for reminding everybody about The Chosen today, yes. Gunsmoke. Gunsmoke, older than Phil Donahue. Yes, yes. Big Valley. Big Valley? I have to confess, I don't know Big Valley. Is it, is it supported? Most of you would say yes, you should watch that. Yeah? Okay, what about you? The Rifleman. We've got a lot of gun shows coming on here. A lot of... I know, we haven't been like to the, to the shooting range at the church in a while. I watch like a lot of TV shows, but one I've been watching recently is The Brady Bunch. The Brady Bunch! Okay. I would imagine that everybody can relate to watching The Brady Bunch. So, I do... I was... There was a TV show when I was young about a boy who grew up watching TV and everything in his life surrounded around TV. Um, I feel like I'm that kid because there are so many shows. When I'm sitting in a meeting, almost everything that is said triggers a memory to like a joke I could make from some TV show from when I was growing up. I love to watch TV, I love to watch movies. Okay, so give me a moment here. I'm gonna try to slow down. I'm excited. I was pretty excited about the message today and I tend to 
speak quickly. I tend to get going and just kind of get going 100 miles an hour. Um, I've been making a conscious effort when I get up to preach to try to slow down, take my time, let things sink in. But then we had testimonies this morning. I'm, I'm glad we did. But I'm going to burn through this. So I'm going to preach my old-fashioned way. So put your seatbelts on because we're going to go. So I love watching movies. What I love watching more than movies is these three kids right here, and including my nieces now because they play softball. I love watching my kids play sports. I could watch that all the time. My son has a swing like Ken Griffey Jr. I could watch it all day long. Um, <clears throat> I love seeing them grow up. This last week we did a fire in our backyard with a fire pit. Don't, we didn't just start a fire. We had a fire pit. And we did s'mores and hot dogs and stuff. Then we played some family games. And watching my kids, when they get along and they're laughing and playing together, there is nothing that I enjoy watching more than that. But the beauty of these moments, the beauty of these great stories that I watch on TV or, or in the movies, the beauty and grandeur of anything in our lives pales in comparison to the beauty of our Savior. And we don't focus on that enough. That's the honest truth. You don't, I don't, we all need to focus on Christ more. So this morning I'm going to talk about focusing on Christ. So as I was getting ready to do this, I'm, I'm going to walk around a bit, so I'll just bring these with me. Um, <clears throat> when I was thinking and preparing about the idea of focusing on Christ, different ideas would pop into my head about what we should focus on. The first thing that automatically came to my mind was distractions. Distractions are the problem for us focusing on Christ. So then I was like, well... Obvious distractions would be sin or temptation. Yes, those distract us. Those prevent us from living the holy life that God's called us to live. But there are also sometimes good distractions, like watching my kids play sports or being even with my family. Sometimes ministry can be a distraction because I get so focused on serving others. So I, I came to the conclusion that focusing on Christ is not about eliminating distractions. It's about about having the right perspective. We're not going to be able to eliminate distractions. Did that come up right? Oh, good. Okay. It's kind of squished for me over there. Good deal. So focusing on Christ, it's not about eliminating distractions. It's about your perspective. Keeping in perspective what you're doing. So you want to do well at your job. You want to be the best at your job. You want to be the best employee. I strive to do that. Um, sometimes I'm recognized for that. So often, you know, I just get yelled at or cussed at by the students. Um, but we, we all want to strive to be the best at our job. We want to be the best parents that we can be. We want to be the best little league coach that we can be. We want to, whatever we're doing, we want to do it to the best of our ability because the scripture tells us to do that. But sometimes those good things can get in the way of something great. Um, we read a book in my old, uh, we had a, a former assistant superintendent who talked to us about a book, and I don't remember the author, you guys will probably know, um, good to great, and the whole concept is the idea that the enemy of great is good. Because when you hit good, you're good. Do we need to keep striving? I don't know, I'm good. But if we want to be great, we have to look at good as not good, basically. So, um, I put on my notes here for myself. As an assistant principal, I, I know that my job is public service. A lot of people don't consider it that way. The students don't like the junior high kids have just left, so they don't know. Uh, high schoolers, none of you guys go to Desert Edge, so I've not suspended any of you. Um, <clears throat> and I wouldn't have suspended our, our streams kids, of course. But I'm just saying, like, my job, 
Like I have, I got, I got man, parents come in. I've had parents come in like super angry with me. Um, Idina, <laughs> Idina did a great job one time when I had a very angry parent and she just intercepted them and she talked them off the cliff because they were ready to come at me. Um, but like the job itself, I know it's public service. It's not like I'm, you know, just making tons of money and I'm getting treated with all this honor and respect. That's not what I was looking for. I came in here to try to serve these students and sometimes doing that means frustrating times with my work or with my, uh, with parents or with colleagues even. Sometimes the good things, they aren't the best. A great example from scripture is in Luke 10, 48, or 38, sorry. So it should come up, there we go. So as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary. Sometimes the way the translations are interesting. She had a sister, she, we called her Mary. We're gonna assume that was her name. She sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She's the one that's getting the refills. She's the one that's making sure that the appetizers are on the table. She's the one that's making sure that everybody has everything they need. She came to him and she asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha was not doing anything wrong. I am very thankful for Martha's. Martha's make my life better. Martha's make all of our lives better because they, they genuinely care about us and they wanna provide things for us. They wanna meet our needs and that's what Martha's doing. And so Martha gets frustrated that Mary isn't doing it with her. And I, I look at that and I'm like, that is a totally fair request. God, Jesus, can't you tell her to help me? So Jesus responds, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. And I love that this is added, or indeed only one. Only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. Now, my wife tells me that Martha is misunderstood. <laughs> and she is probably right. She's probably true. Let's not treat Martha like brave Thomas. If you were here two weeks ago when I preached, you'll understand. I don't call him that other word. Thomas was brave. He was not a doubter. He was brave. He was ready to die with Christ. So let's not treat Martha like, you know, she's just this, this woman who's angry and works and she's bitter. No, Martha actually has a tremendous heart for Jesus and tremendous faith. And if you want examples of that, go look at John chapter 11. It's the chapter where Lazarus has died and Jesus returns to raise him from the dead. And Martha speaks amazing truths about Jesus right there. I want to encourage you to keep your perspective. In this story, Martha was distracted by what she perceived as important or necessary. It's what she thought was important. But Mary's perception was that nothing was more important than sitting with Jesus. And so we need to keep our perspective. So when we have good things in life, sometimes we need to still keep in mind that there are better things if it's focusing on Christ. If I am the best spouse and dad in the world, but I, I don't focus my life on Christ, I'm, I'm failing. I, there's nothing I can do to help myself be a better spouse and, and father than by focusing on Christ. All right, so let's get back to it. We're gonna keep cranking. It's almost 11, all right. So the next thing I thought about, when I try to think of how I'm going to measure my, my ability to focus on Christ is my time. I actually made a spreadsheet, that's how nerdy I am. I made a spreadsheet one time about 
how much time I spend deliberately, like, focused on God. I got two hours at least on a Sunday. You know, I give myself buffer, driving in, driving home, talking about it. Um, <clears throat> how much time do I spend during the week in prayer? How much time do I spend during the week reading my Bible? And then I'm like, how much time do I spend during the week sleeping? Big chunk of time. How much time do I spend in my week at work? Another huge chunk of time. How much time in entertainment? More than two hours a week. So I start analyzing all this stuff. And man, I start feeling incredibly guilty because we're talking like single digit percentage when I think of the time that I'm actually focusing on God. Sorry, I've gotten off track. This isn't how we should look at it, though. Um, it's not about time. This is the next slide. Uh, it's not about time. It's about our perspective again. Our perspective on all of these things is completely what matters. When I am at my kids' games, I am showing my kids love. I am, if I'm consciously thinking about Jesus in those moments while I'm watching Joel swing a bat, I mean, there's times I'm praying. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> Joel comes to bat, and I'm like, oh, Lord, please let him hit this one. Um, but the, my investment in them is still part of the call of Christ on my life. He's blessed me with these kids. He's given me the responsibility to love them and to train them in the way they should go. So, like, I get to have them sit here. They all chose to stay in here this morning and listen to me. I get to teach them up here now, but also at home, on how to follow Jesus. But part of that comes from I show them how much I love them with everything else I do. So it paves the way. It's not about time. It's, it's about perspective. You have to also consider all of your time. Your time is not finite. Your time on earth is, but your time is infinite. So if you can, this just starts to get really interesting here and out of the box thinking. If you start to think about the fact that as a believer in Christ, when the moment that we pass out of this life into the next, we still have more time. We have eternity. And that eternity is going to be focused on Christ. Ultimately, we've all heard the saying, you know, like the, our lives are going to be nothing but like a tiny little blip on infinity. So when we think about like my spreadsheet, my time focused on Christ in the big picture is going to be immense. Where any time focused on anything else is going to be this. We need to have that eternal perspective. A couple, a few years ago, Jen's grandmother passed away. Uh, Georgia, I believe she was 91. Does that sound right, Joe? I think, I think she was over 90. Um, <clears throat> the whole family came together. It was over in Southern California. We all gathered together, and we sat down. We went to, like, a, a celebration of life, which was awesome to see the whole family together for this. And then we went back, and we hung out at family's house, and we just kind of chilled. So we had three generations there still hanging out together. And the nicest thing about it was none of us had plans. Like, nobody bought movie tickets to go to that afternoon after the thing. Nobody had plans to go meet a friend. We were just together with no agenda. In my mind, that's heaven. Being with the people that I love without a plan to go anywhere else. Now, I know some of you are planners. You're like, that sounds like hell. <laughs> if I don't have a plan, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be losing my mind. No, uh, I get what you're saying. But I'm, for me, the idea of just being with those that we love, if I'm sitting at the feet of Christ and I don't have to go anywhere, that's heaven. If I'm sitting with my loved ones and we don't have to go anywhere, 
that's my closest on earth, I feel like, my closest uh, connection at least to what I feel like heaven would be like. We had nowhere to go, we just enjoyed being together. In these moments, we're also thoughtful of our eternity because of course, as we're talking about grandma, we're also still in the back of our minds remembering our own mortality and that our days here are numbered and that much better things are coming. So I wanna read to you my favorite section of scripture real quick, we'll put it up on here, from Revelation. And this is about, just to remind you of the beauty that awaits us. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Can I pause right there? You're probably thinking, why does he mention that there's not any sea? I think that's for me. I'm not a fan of natural bodies of water. I don't like creeks, I don't like rivers, lakes. I mean, they're pretty to look at. We went to Lake Pleasant the other week, a couple weeks ago, and I was like, this is pretty out here. I don't like getting in them. Uh, don't, the ocean, it's cool, but it's not my thing. So for me, that's a blessing. I'm guessing, if I were to interpret why that's in there, is the idea that in this life, on this earth, they only do one thing, really. They separate us. They separate us from each other. So that's my guess as an interpretation of maybe why there's no sea there. There's nothing separating us. In the holy city, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. It's getting better. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. He will live with them. God will be here with us. We're talking Adam and Eve in the garden, walking with God kind of connection. There will, they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. I love that last part. The old way of doing things is dead. That's not how it's done anymore. There's no more crying, there's no more pain. I believe it will work in heaven because we get a lot of fulfillment out of work, but I'm not gonna be sore at the end of the day. So what kind of blessing is that, huh? Okay, so let's keep moving. Uh, I want you guys to remember though, as, you, as we think about our focus on Christ, keeping an eternal perspective. I was telling Matt uh, at the beginning of the service, we were talking about, when I used to be in ministry and, and I, I would dedicate specific time to God, I would go on prayer walks. And I told him this, I think I may even told the church in general, that, I don't know, in one of the communion meditations. I used to go to a cemetery, which sounds very morbid, but I would go to a cemetery because number one, it's quiet and it's pretty. Number two, nobody makes small talk. If I'm at the park, people are like, hey, how are you? And if you bump into someone you know even, they're definitely gonna chit chat with you. At the cemetery, people assume that you're there to mourn or remember someone, so they're gonna leave you alone. And I could be in a quiet, pretty place for two or three hours, walking and talking to my God, and sometimes I would notice headstones or whatever, and I would be reminded of my mortality. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'd be reminded of the fact that my life right here is temporary, I've only got so many of these days, what am I gonna do with them? So I wanna remind you to keep your focus, keep your eternal perspective. Okay, so the last thing I thought that would prevent us from thinking about Christ or focusing on him, this is going to be the big one. This is probably going to be the closest one to home. Kristen, you're going to like this one. It is worry. Too often we can worry or fear. Um, <clears throat> I looked at it this way. Worry is really like a twin of fear. We have twins that work in my school district. Both of them were at my school for a while. Now we only have one of them there. So I know it's always Bianca when I see her. Brigitte is not there. But when they come together, or if I see Bianca in public, hey, how you doing, Mr. Marco? Um, <clears throat> I, 
I can't tell them apart necessarily unless I've got them together. Same is true with fear and worry. If you're worried about something, you're probably just afraid. It's pretty much the same thing. Um, I put on here, uh, we worry, parents worry about their kids. Humans, we all worry about the future. We worry about money. We, we have a fear of loss. We have a fear of missing out. There are so many things in our lives where fear and worry can drive what we do. So much to fear. But scripture is very clear. We are not supposed to worry. Let's put this last scripture up for me. This is, there's going to be two or three slides here. So uh, just a warning to you. I'm going to kind of crank through these. You guys can try to keep up here. This is from Matthew 6.25. Jesus' first big sermon. He's got thousands of people sitting on, this, on the mountainside, and he is preaching to them. And he tells them, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or, the, or your body, or what you will wear. Isn't life more important than the body, and the body more important than clothes? So, first of all, let me just say, I love the progressive commercials with the, you know, turn into your parents. That is 100% me. My kids all make fun of me. My wife does because that is 100% me. I am the kind of person that will definitely go up to the store manager and say, hey, Brian, doing a great job. That's a good dude right there. I am definitely that kind of guy. I feel like this section of scripture sounds like my dad. And so as we read it, I want you to take it to heart. I'm not trying to distract you from the meaning. We're going to talk about the meaning, but I want you to understand that this is him talking to us like a dad would, really just straight out telling you. Um, <clears throat> look at the birds of the air. Do they sow and reap or store away in barns? No, they don't do any work. Yet God takes care of them. He feeds them. Are you not much more important than any birds? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? That's my dad, and that's my dad annoying me. That's my dad poking at me. Can you really add anything to your life? Tony, just knock it off. God's not trying to annoy you. But Jesus is trying to make it clear. There's nothing you can do to add to your life. It, there's no benefit to it. Don't worry. My dad used to seriously drive home the idea of not worrying to me all the time. Um, to the point now where I think my family gets annoyed with it because he's blessed me. God's blessed me with the ability to not worry. And so Jen is often like, I'm really worried about this with the kids. I'm like, nah, it'll be fine. And there's times where I probably should be a little more thoughtful about it. But... Um, <clears throat> And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spend, they don't do any work. But I tell you that not even Solomon on his best day looked as good as the grass of the field, which today's here and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire. Does he not, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear or what is that person saying about me? Or I can't believe this person's going to post that about me. Don't worry about these things. For pagans run after these things. But your heavenly father knows what you need. Sometimes it's hard to remember that. God knows everything that we need. Again, another great, we had a great long conversation, I feel like, me and Matt over here, Matthew today, talking. And I was talking about trying to pray to God as much as I could for an entire chunk of time, only thanking him and praising him. I would challenge you to try that. Scripture says that we should bring our requests to God with prayer and thanksgiving. Um, so I tried to just pray only thanking God, only recognizing his grandeur, his magnificence, his beauty, only giving him praise and thanking him for his blessings. And it's hard because then my nature comes in, and God, I just want to pray for my kids. Or God, I just want to pray for the church. And I'm trying to lift someone else into the prayer, but I tried to just focus on just 
praying for him. And I need to remember that sometimes God knows what you need this morning. God knows what your kids need. He's going to take care of us. So we don't always have to be, you know, just constantly like our prayer focused on what we need. Sometimes we need to trust that he knows that stuff. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. That's a dad phrase right there. Totally something that's a dad phrase. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And that, though, deserves an amen. (laughs) When I had a really bad day at work one time, and it was just chaos. And the principal, she was out. She was out sick. And so we're texting her throughout the day, kind of telling her about, you know, we had drug bust here, we had a fight at lunch, we had this or that. You guys, every time I preach, you're going to start to think, oh my gosh, I'm not sending my kids to Desert Edge. It's not that bad. <laughs> I just only deal with all of that stuff. That's like the main thing I have to deal with. <clears throat> it's, a, it's an A-plus school, well, A school of excellence. But anyway, um, the, I, I had this horrible day, and I'm constantly dealing with all this stuff, and I'm texting Gretchen, my boss, as I'm driving home, and I was like, and she says to me in a text, I'm so sorry I couldn't be there today. This just sounds like it was one of the worst days. And I just responded, in the words of Oingo Boingo, it's just another day. Because that's, that's what it is. There's no reason for me to go home and be all stressed and frustrated. I want to complain about it. I just let it go. It's just another day. Every day does have enough trouble of its own. So I don't need to worry about what tomorrow's going to happen. When I get to school tomorrow, it's the first day back after spring break. Probably going to be an interesting day. That's just my guess. But I'm not worried about it. I'm just going to show up, and I'm going to do my job as best as I can, and I'm going to try to do it for God's glory. Amen? All right. Uh, Band, if you want to come on up here, I'm going to wrap up. Um, I was kind of excited. I mentioned two weeks ago about my my life of crime and how I stole micro machines, and then I stole the Bob's Big Boy, which I am genuinely thankful for. This is cool. I'll put that up. Um, That was on Sunday. On Wednesday... I foiled a robbery. Yeah. Gracie was with me. Wednesday, Gracie and I went into Circle K, and I was treating her. I'm like, hey, we'll go get you a snack. And we go into Circle K, and she, she's looking at stuff. And as I approach an aisle, I see over the aisle, I see this 14-year-old take this big old Arizona tea can, put it in their jacket. Hmm. So I walk around to that aisle, and the moment I do, the kid's like, Ooh, doesn't want to make eye contact with me. And then I'm, so then I just move on, I watch. Kid puts another one in the other arm, and then just starts walking out. Oh, no, you don't. So I get over to the door, and I come out the door, and the kid's walking away, and I go, hey, are you going to pay for that? And what, what, what? Are you going to pay for those? I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't mean to. And, and the kid just comes up to me, head down with their, with their cans out. And I was like, it's all right, here, just take it, just go, just go. I go inside, I swear, I should have run for election on that right there because the people that were in that place, it was almost like, you know, I felt like I was a hero coming in there. They're like, that was so cool. Everybody was just like, we don't allowed to say anything. The employees, we're not allowed to say anything. And I see them come in every day and just take stuff and walk out. And I'm like, well, it's good to know. If I need something, I can just take it. <clears throat> and everybody in line is like, oh yeah, I guess that's true. But we're all still paying, of course. Um, and I thought about it later. I was like, you know what I could have done? I could have really gone the extra mile and bought those Arizona teas and given it to the kid when I saw him outside. That's probably what I wish I'd had. At this point, I wish I'd done that. But I felt like there was within me this lack of fear. I was going to do the right thing. So Gracie says to me, would you have done that if it was an adult? Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. 
if the, I, knew, I knew in my mind, this is a young kid. This young kid's not going to, like, you know, pull out a knife and try to fight me or whatever. And I'm also in a building that I can just jump inside. But I have had these moments recently where I feel like God is helping me to overcome fear. I never would have done that kind of stuff when I was even a year ago. But I'm getting to the point of being more brave. I stopped a kid on my street who was speeding in a Tesla, and I literally walked out in front of him with my hand. Because we live on a cul-de-sac. And he, he went down. They weren't home. My brother and sister don't live on our street. They weren't home. But he came speeding down, and he whipped around that cul-de-sac, and he came back up. And I'm like, oh, no. I'm in the garage, and there's that same thing. Oh, no, you're not. So I come out, and I'm doing this. And I'm like, you're going to have to run me over if you're going to get out of here. Now, that one, that was very scary in a sense for me. But, and I was even scared, like, just to talk to the kid. It wasn't in my wheelhouse. I, I do it at work all the time, but this kid doesn't know me at all. And I got to walk up and, and yell at this kid. So he finally stops, and I go, dude, I got three kids that live here. Two kids live in that house, three in that one. My nieces live in that one. You're not driving like that on our street. And he's like, I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so sorry. And, like, there's all these kids in the back, and they're all just, like, looking very scared. The same kind of look I do get in my office from kids. And I was like, all right. And I just walked away. And it was one of those moments where I was like, it takes guts to go out there and overcome my fear, tell this kid to stop. But is it worth it? I mean, if my kids or my nieces had been out there, could have been tragic. So I was like, at least this kid, he's never going to come speeding down my street again. We need to develop that sense of fear with the right perspective. That eternal perspective where we can overcome fear, we can overcome worry, we can get past our distractions and keep our perspective and our focus on God. This morning, I'm going to ask if you're on the prayer team. I know we're at 11, 17 here. We're getting there. But I want to ask still, our church is changing right now. Yeah. I don't know if you feel it, but our church is, it, it, we're different. Not necessarily than what we were, but we're different than what other churches are. So this morning, I'm going to ask if you're on the prayer team, if you're one of our prayer, you know, prayer families, if you'd come up again. Because I just think, given what happened with the women's retreat and with the amount of worry and anxiety and fear that's in this room, I think we need to pray. So when I'm done here, I'm going to grab my stuff and get out of the way. We're gonna, I want to invite you up. We're going to have people up here in the front. If you want prayer for any of that stuff or anything like what Christina talked about, about the spirit being in your life or overcoming um, and letting go and letting God have control like Kristen mentioned, come up to us. Come up and let us help. Amen.